Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All right, my name is Joel, and welcome to Three Creeks Church. I get to be the pastor here, and before I get into today's message, I want to share something with you guys that I'm, I'm actually excited to do. I think this is something that our church family can celebrate together. I would like, they don't know this, Brandon and Olivia Durfler to come on up here real quick, and also Kelsey and Brant Miller, if you guys would come up here real quick, and if, if they are here, I think they are, um, and also Trevor Huffman, would you come up here for me? Awesome. It takes a while for them to get up here, so let's clap again. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're having a, a little bit of a staff transition. Brandon Durfler came on as our worship director, creative arts director in the middle of COVID. His wife, Olivia, here. You guys can stand together. And um, Brandon and Olivia have been a part of our church family for four years or so, I think, and has served as our creative director for the last almost two years, and plays every instrument. And I used to like Brandon because he looked so cool on the drums. That was the first thing that drew me to him. And then I got to work on staff with him, and the man has a servant heart like you wouldn't believe. And he is nonstop in serving other people and hasn't, to my knowledge, ever sought credit for it. And so he's my favorite person I think I've maybe I've ever gotten to work with. I just love Brandon and Olivia. By the grace of God, they're not going anywhere. Uh, He's still here. In fact, today was his first Sunday off, and he showed up at six o'clock to load the trailer. So this is Brandon. And of course, you can't do it without somebody behind the scenes holding down the fort. And so Olivia and Brandon have just been amazing to work with on staff. Brandon's passing the baton to Kelsey Miller in the house. And her husband, Brant, serves as our setup team director. Frankie is on the Three Creeks Kids team. (laughs) And, you know, to get to to be a part of a church, I got to pinch myself at the number of people that are in our band that just serve us and lead us into worship so well. I can't believe it. So anyways, Brandon's going to transition out of off a staff role. He'll still be on the team. Kelsey's going to transition from team into staff role, leading the band. And so what I thought would be appropriate as a church family to do would be to have Trevor Huffman, who's our new prayer team director, just pray for Brandon and Olivia as they transition out of that role. And then also for Kelsey and Brant as they transition into it. So as a church family, let's join Trevor and let's pray for these folks. Is this, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, God, thank you so much for these uh, four and a half people up here. (laughs) Uh, God, thank you for the blessing that the Durflers are, Um, not just to Three Creeks, but to anyone who has ever interacted with them, God. uh, Thank you for what you're doing in Brandon's heart and in Olivia's heart. Um, God, I just pray... um, yeah, I just pray over this next season of their life that um, it may be looking a little different. Wouldn't it be 
difficult or weird or hard, but that it'd be good and refreshing. Uh, I pray that your spirit would go with them. Um, I pray for Brandon to uh, maybe receive some some rest and um, God, yeah, just the word refreshment just keeps coming back to me. Um, that you'd build them up, that you build their marriage up, that um, that maybe Olivia and Brandon could sit in service together a couple times and uh, just enjoy that, and that you would bless their family through that. Um, yeah, I uh, I thank you so much for the Millers. Um, thank you for Kelsey and for Brant. Um, man, just a couple that wants to say yes, that just wants to to be obedient, and I can't think of anything more um, glorifying to you. God, I pray that you would reward them for that. I pray for for Kelsey starting this new role that uh, that you would just fill her with strength, with passion, with energy, uh, with uh, humble boldness as she um, would lead this team, that, that God, your spirit would fill her like she's never seen before, and that she would... Uh, that she would radiate that to us as she leads us in worship and as she leads her band, um, as she leads your band. Um, God, just to guide us in our attitude of worship. And I pray for Brant um, as he's continuing to lead the setup team, God, that you would that you would encourage him, that you'd strengthen him, that you um, would call a couple people sitting in these seats to join that team and to be a refreshment to him. Um, yeah, God, I don't see um, an occupational shift. I see two families who are trying to be obedient to you. And I just pray for your blessing all over that. I pray for um, Kelsey as she works alongside Joel, that you'd give her patience and uh, yes, grace. Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> um, I just pray for, for that to be healthy and good and that Three Creeks would be blessed because of it and your kingdom would grow because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you're feeling blessed this morning, let's thank, let's thank these two families, the Durflers and the Millers. Thank you, guys. Awesome. My, my favorite thing I think about our Three Creeks band is that they see themselves as door holders, and they just want to hold the door for you on Sunday morning to get to come in here and experience God, to, to go up the mountain, if you will. That might make more sense here in just a minute after the message, but to go up the mountain, to meet with God and to worship God. And, and they just, if it was up to them, they would turn the lights off and they, they wouldn't even be known. And I just think that's incredible to have a group of people who want to do that and don't want to exalt themselves, but who want to exalt Jesus. I can't believe how blessed we are that we have that. All right, week six, the final week of a series in Moses. A lot of people ask me from time to time, how does Three Creeks decide which series we're going to do? What are we going to talk about? What book of the Bible are we going to get into? And the answer to that is that we have a spiritual direction team, and it's between four and seven different people that we meet early in the morning. We meet a couple times a year, and we prepare for that meeting by praying and asking God what God would want to say to our church. And so these are people that know God really well, and they also know our church really well. And at a meeting a few months ago, we were sitting on my back patio at really early in the morning, and 
there's this, there's always, uh, there's a lot of ideas. Everybody comes with four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different ideas, and then one of them will just stick, and there will be kind of a uh, unanimous, synchronized nod, and we're like, that is what our church should do. And when Moses was brought up, everybody to a person, if I remember right, it was Steph and Aaron Haberly and Nicole Evans at this meeting, and we all just collectively nodded. And then, uh, you know, Moses, pretty big hero, wrote five books of the Bible. The question becomes, how long do we need to spend with Moses? And we could have done 600 weeks in Moses, but we ended up doing six. And why we chose six, I don't know if you think this is spiritual enough, but it's true. Uh, Everybody, I had them all close their eyes. And I said, with your fingers, show me how many weeks we ought to do in Moses. And I looked over at Steph and she went like this. And I looked over at Nicole and she went like this. And I looked over at Aaron and he went like this. And I too had gone like this. And so we thought, let's do six weeks in Moses. And we walked inside and Morgan was getting her coffee and getting our kids up and ready to go. And we said, Morgan, close your eyes. How many weeks should we do in Moses? And she went like this. And so we thought, the Lord's hand is on this place. The matriarch of the church, Morgan Trainer, has agreed <laughs> that uh, we should spend six weeks. So we're here in week six, and I just want to ask, do you think we were supposed to do six? And you showed up this morning thinking, I don't know, should we come to church today? Should we not? I'm just saying we were supposed to do six, and, and God has been doing something in my life on a very personal level this week. And I hope that through what I get to share today, that you will say, yeah, we were supposed to do six weeks because that is what I needed to hear. So will you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19. While you're turning there, I'll set the stage for you just in case you're tuning in. Moses is a hero of the Bible. He's a Hebrew. He's an Israelite. He was born as an Israelite, but then through a series of circumstances, ends up growing up in Pharaoh's home, an oppressive and evil Pharaoh, as it turns out. Moses' people have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Moses, when he's 40 years old, makes a mistake, ends up having to flee from Egypt, goes and lives somewhere else for 40 years. Egypt, in a lot of ways, is out of sight and out of mind. And God calls him, Moses, back to go and free two million of his people, the Israelites, from slavery in the oppressive nation of Egypt. And so, if you remember the last couple of weeks, maybe the 10 plagues happen during this time. And Moses leads the Israelites and they come to the Red Sea. And how are they going to cross? And, and a miracle happens. In the beginning of Exodus, where Moses lifts up his staff and the water parts and the Israelites walk through and then they're thirsty and he strikes a rock and water comes from a rock and then they're hungry and manna and quail come and and from the sky and feed the people. So there's miracle after miracle after miracle. And really this whole thing is this journey for these two million people to come out of Egypt and go into this place that they've called the promised land. The promised land was promised to their ancestor, Abraham. And they haven't given up on it. Even though generations have passed, they're trusting in Yahweh's promise that the Israelite people are going to get to settle in that promised land. But what they don't know 
is that they're going to have to wander in the desert for about 40 years because God has a couple things to say before they get to where they're going. And God is going to use Moses during this time to do it. So let's look at Exodus chapter 19. This is just three months, excuse me, two months, two months and one day after they exited Egypt right into the, right at the beginning of this 40-year period. This is what happens. Exodus 19, verse 1. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. And after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai. And Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. And while they're there, Moses begins to go up Mount Sinai and talk with God. And when he would have done that at this point in time in history, because of how the Israelites had related with Yahweh, with God, they couldn't believe that a human being could go and talk with God. They could not wrap their minds around the concept that a mere human could interact and talk and hear from God. This is crazy to these people at this time. But Moses goes up and he talks with God and God talks with him and and Moses would go down and he would reveal to the people what God says and the people would say, we'll obey him. And then Moses would go up and he was this mediator between the people and with God going up and down Mount Sinai. But the people of Israel, they, they just can't wrap their minds around this reality that a mere human being could be in the presence of God. If you skip down to verse 10, God wants to show the Israelites who he is a little bit, and convince them that, yes, he is, in fact, interacting with people on a personal level. In verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it. But he says, put limits for your people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They're to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they approach the mountain. And the people again are going, this is crazy. The Lord is going to descend on the top of Mount Sinai and he's going to reveal himself to us. And so they listen to Moses. They consecrate themselves. They wash their clothes. They get ready. They, they, they're up on that third day going, when is that ram's horn going to blast? But they're telling their kids, don't go too close stay back. There's a boundary. Don't cross the boundary because there's a holiness here that we don't want to mess with. We're talking about God. And there's a, there's a healthy fear in the Israelite camp. And in verse 16, it says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. Picture it with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. 
and everyone in the camp trembled. Just imagine the intensity of this scene where you wake up on the third day and there's thunder and lightning. There's a storm coming and there's a fog. There's a cloud on the mountain. And they realize like this is the third day. This is the day that the ram's horn is going to blow and we're going to go to the base of the mountain and we're going to get to experience a new, a new level of God revealing himself to people. And everyone in the camp trembled. They were shaking because they were scared. In verse 17, Moses, he led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke built up from it like a smoke from a furnace. And the whole, wait a minute, the whole mountain trembled violently like an earthquake. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke. And the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. And here are four crazy words. So Moses went up. If you just, you can't imagine it, but try. Try to imagine being at camp, waking up, thunder and lightning at first, a cloud you hear the ram's horn. Moses leads the people out to the base of the mountain, but don't cross the line. There's only a, there's a certain level that you can get to at this point in the Old Testament. You can't get closer than that. And there, there begins to be fire and smoke and an earthquake. And the people are going, yeah, this is probably God. They can't deny that there is something supernatural. Mo Moses is not... He's not putting on a magic trick. This is beyond what they can even imagine themselves. They're experiencing a new way of God showing himself to people. And, and they just can't even believe it. And the Lord calls down to Moses and says, Moses, you can come up. And so Moses went up. He walked into it. He walked into the fire with the smoke on the earthquake mountain. Like Moses went into it. Moses went up to be with God, and the people can't believe what they just saw because to them, this is impossible. Seven times in the end, seven different times, Moses goes up and meets with God. And the Israelite people during this time, every time he goes up, they just wait, and they go, oh, What's he going to come down and say? Because there's a limit to their interaction with Yahweh. But Moses has this access for some reason that they don't understand, but Moses gets to go up. And so every time Moses is up, just, they just sit in camp and go, man, what is God going to say? And they, they depend on Moses to go be with God and tell us what he says. And I think sometimes... I do that. 
And I think sometimes we do that, where we depend on somebody else to go meet with God and tell us what he says. Where we hope that our pastor will go and meet with God and then come here on Sunday and tell us what he says. Or we'll listen to a podcast and we hope that they spent time with God so that they can tell us what he says. Or we go to community group, the leaders probably did the guide. And I hope that they met with God so that they can tell me what he says. And friends, I just say this in, in, with a ridiculous amount of love for you. That is a very Old Testament way of thinking. It's a very Old Testament way of thinking when we depend on somebody else to tell us what God says. And I'm not saying it's wrong to listen to a pastor or wrong to listen to a podcast or wrong to go to a godly man or a godly woman and ask advice. But perhaps we stunt our own spiritual growth when we just cling to the spiritual livelihood of somebody else's life. It's a really Old Testament way of thinking. And I have a, a pastor who I look up to very much. And he had a conversation with a pastor who lives in India. And, and, and they're having this conversation and they're talking about another American pastor who had a moral failure, who, who, who made mistakes and disqualified himself from ministry. And this pastor from India is on the phone just weeping, just weeping. He can't I want to say he can't believe it, but he can believe it because he says to my friend who's a pastor here in America, he says, I just don't get it. Why don't the people in America spend time with God? Why are they so nonchalant about the fact that they can meet with God? Why, this is what he said, why are the people in America more interested in meeting with a person than they are with God? It seems as though they'd rather meet with a Christian celebrity or with a band member than meet with God himself. And I quote, it seems like they want to take a selfie with Moses. Don't these people know that they can go up the mountain themselves. Why don't they want to go up the mountain? And that guy's right. Because when Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament, the way that Yahweh, God, interacts with us is totally different. The veil was torn. And so there's this holiness of God that all of a sudden every one of us through Christ has access to but we're, we're stuck, and I'm stuck. I'm just as guilty as you are of depending on somebody else's spirituality to make mine better. Meanwhile, I could go up the mountain myself. <laughs> I wrote, friends, I have something unbelievable to tell you. We can meet with God. And when I wrote it, I felt like it would be a little anticlimactic. <laughs> I felt like it would feel like this. And, and that, like, how did the awesome of that wear off? You know what I'm saying a little bit? I just admit, sometimes I get more excited about meeting with a human, meeting with another human than I do meeting with God. And as I was writing this part of the message, I was tempted to 
kind of construct the last 15 minutes or so and try to convince you that it was going to be worth your time. Try to convince you that you can meet with God and you should. And so if you just give it like three minutes a day, just try that. And then you just do five minutes a day and you'll love it. And, you, and just like, it just felt weird. It just feels weird that I should try to convince us that this would matter. And I, then I thought, man, use your imagination here. Imagine that I am very rich. You're really gonna have to use your imagination because I'm not. Imagine I'm just rich, I'm loaded, I'm a billionaire. And I get up here and I, I am in an unbelievably generous mood. After church, I'll be standing in the hallway. I've got $10,000 cashier checks. Anybody that wants one, I'm just feeling generous, no string detached. I'd love to give you one. Just as a gift to you, just to say that I love you. That's it. And then imagine that I spent 20 more minutes trying to convince you that that was going to be worth it. That that was going to be a good idea. You would say, wrap it up. Give us the stuff. <laughs> Give us the cashier. You don't have to convince us that we should do that. It's a no-brainer. Just think about that for a second. Why do I feel so compelled to come in here and, and try to come up with a creative way to say, you guys, almighty God, the creator of the universe, wants to meet with you in a very personal way. Why do I feel compelled to spend 20 minutes to convince you of that? It just doesn't make any sense. It should be a no-brainer. That we can wake up tomorrow morning, we can go this afternoon on a walk, and we, mere humans, can meet with Almighty God, the same one that shook Mount Sinai. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. And I'm just sad that for some reason that just feels like it's lost its awesomeness in my life and in yours sometimes. A few chapters later, in Exodus 33, if you want to flip there, you can, but I'll throw it up on the screen I don't know if Moses got tired physically of going up and down the mountain. Moses sets up a tent outside of camp and he continues to meet with God. In verse seven, it says, now Moses, he used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, look at this, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. So he would come out and stand because Moses was going to go to the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and would stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they just stood and they worshiped each at the entrance of their tent. Look at this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. There was this sense of awe among the people that someone got to go and speak as if it were face to face with God Almighty. And the people would come out of their tents and they would stand because it was so incredible. And they would just worship and they would go, no way. How is it even possible that a person 
can have a personal relationship with God. And I, I just read that and I thought, man, is there, is there any sense of awe in us that we get to meet with God? Or is it kind of like flip a coin? Heads, I'll do it. Tails, I won't. If I do it, great. But if I don't, Moses would go and talk with God and the people, like I said, they'd be like, well, what'd he say? What'd he say? What'd he say? What'd he say? And I just got to admit that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own some of this right now. There are times where I feel like I have kind of put myself in the role of Moses, where I go and I am supposed to go have this like meeting with God where I study and write these messages. And then I come here and tell you what God says. And that's just not, that's an Old Testament way of thinking. My role is on one hand to maybe clarify some of what he says, or certainly to elevate and teach what he says. But perhaps more important, my role is to remind you all of the time that you can go up the mountain yourself, that you don't need to depend on my spirituality or my message to walk with God faithfully. Everyone in this room has access to the mountain. And I dream, listen, I dream of being a church where we don't come in here feeling like, oh, I'm just so empty. I hope this fills me up. I hope this is what I need to get through the week. I just dream of a church that's filled with people that all week we set aside time to meet with God and we come in here and we're already full and we come in here and there's this sense of celebration and expectation that, man, God is already doing stuff in our life. What more could he do now that we're together? where we all come in from different places. We've each had our own individual relationship with God, and we come in here, and it just feels celebratory because the grace of God has been preached to ourselves all week. And I want these services to encourage you and challenge you, and I'm not changing, that. I'm not, I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm still going to elevate the word of God every time, but I want it to be where you come in and you're just already like, man, I've just been with God all week. I just can't wait to be with him again. And my read on it is that would be a little different than what it is right now, if I may be so bold to present that. You know, the, the people, if you think of that story in Exodus 19, when the people experienced the thunder and the lightning, and the earthquake, and the fire, and the smoke, and the don't cross the boundary, and the Mos Moses is going up. You and I, if we could trade today, September 18, 2023, that was about 3,400 years ago. If I gave you the choice, and you could switch today, if you could switch places with an Israelite, and you could go experience that day, rather than today, I think you'd probably do it. I don't think you'd cross the line because you're nervous about that, but I think that you would probably switch places just to see it, just to experience it, just so you don't even have to imagine it anymore. You get to see it for yourself, but you got to understand something about the Old Testament and the New Testament is that if I went and asked one of those Israelites, would you like to trade places with a Christian on September 18, 2022? Every one of them would take it if they knew that they had access to God like we do. 
they can't believe what we get to do in the same way that we can't believe what they got to do. They would take it in a heartbeat that we, as individual people, as human beings, get to go up our mountains and be with God. This is unfathomable to them, and they would trade places with you. But then I, I, wrote, a couple, I wrote a couple things down that I thought, ah, these are, these are the reasons that I don't. And perhaps some of them will be true in your life. Sometimes when I'm challenged to spend time with God on my own, I say, but a lot of this doesn't make any sense to me. I start reading Lamentations, and I'm like, who? What? Or I don't know where to start. Like, because it's 66 books, and it's one big story, but it's also a lot of little stories, like, where do I start? Do I start Genesis? Do I start Matthew? Do I ask somebody else where to start? Where should I start? You wouldn't believe how busy my life is right now. Like, I don't, I don't have any time to carve out, to spend. You mean add another thing? I have kids, and they don't respect my time with the Lord. They're up whenever they want. Here's another one. I, I know the basics, and I know the gospel, and I know that Jesus died for my sins, and so I'm good. I'm going to let other people figure out the minors. I got the majors. Even if I try and sit and read, my mind is still going a million miles an hour, and I cannot focus. It's almost like a waste of time because I read it, and then like 10 minutes later, I don't even know what I read. I justify a lack of time with God by knowing that at least I spend more time with God than some of you, <laughs> or most of you. I don't know, but I think that. I think, well, I know more than they do, so I'm fine. They're the ones that need to catch up. At the end of my day, I just want to watch The Office. You know, I just, I just want to veg. I don't want to, have to think about anything. I'm tired. I've had a long day. I've filled my day with good things. I'm just tired. I don't have what it takes. I'm, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. And how about this one? I haven't in forever. I have just not been consistently in my Bible. And I just feel like, the first time I go back, God is just kind of going to be mad at me. I just feel guilty. I feel shame that I believe it. But let's be honest, it hasn't been a rhythm. And, and let me just tell you, I didn't have to Google the list. I didn't have to Google reasons people or excuses people make for not spending time with God. I came up with all those on my own. Can you believe that? It's because I've made them all. I've said them all. I've felt them all. Perhaps you can relate to some of them, or perhaps you can add to the list. When I was reading a, a book that I walked through, as I, I read this book as I planned and preached through this series, uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book about Moses. 
And when he was talking about this fact, Moses got to go and meet with God. And he's sharing a lot of what I've shared today, that we have access to God just like Moses did. This is one thing he wrote that I just couldn't shake. He said, the one factor, the one factor that will determine more than anything else your ability to live a life of victory is meeting regularly with the Almighty God. The one factor that will determine more than anything else in your life, your ability to live a life of victory, is meeting regularly with Almighty God. And let me just, let me just shoot straight with you this afternoon. This afternoon. You might walk out of here going like, man, I needed week six. I needed a reminder. I needed spurred on in this. This afternoon, probably before one o'clock, the enemy is going to start coming in and whispering the valid excuses that you could make to go, maybe not. I've got other things going on. I'm going to put that off for a minute. And you're going to just move on to other things. And I'm, I'm asking us as a church family, what does this look like for you? What does meeting with God look like for you? Everybody gets to give a different answer. Let the Spirit of God give you that answer right now. I'm hesitant to make any suggestions because I don't want to be involved. I want the Spirit of God to give you an answer. What does this look like for you on a personal level to meet with God this week? I, I've, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know that if I make a decision myself and don't share it with somebody that loves me, a lot of times I don't follow through. And if you're anything like me, then I would encourage you that whatever the Spirit of God is putting on your heart right now, to find somebody by the end of today and share it with them and say, I believe that I can meet with God and I don't want the awesomeness of that to wear off. I want to go back in. I want to show up on Sunday feeling like empty and I need someone to fill me. I want to go in full because I've spent time with God. What does that look like for you? And here's the, there's action step number one. I want you to try to tell somebody by the end of today. And if you go, I want to spend time with God, but the first thing you say, like, I don't really know where to start or I don't know what that looks like or I've never had that before, then the action step for you is to find either the person that brought you here today or talk with somebody in the prayer team here in a minute or find me or one of our staff members out at Three Creeks Central after church and let's talk about it. I would love nothing more than to talk about that. And the final action step is that if you're in a community group, this question is coming in hot this week. What did the Spirit of God lead you to commit to at the end of the service on Sunday? In what ways this week do you commit to spending time with this almighty creator that wants to be with you? Let me pray for you. Father, would the Spirit of the Lord fill the room? May the Spirit of the Lord cause us to move. May the Spirit of the Lord cause us to think, to commit, 
Lord, would you bring even to mind a person that we're supposed to share it with? Would you give the people in the room the boldness to say yes? Would you give the people in the room the ability to to say no to the enemy as he begins to whisper excuses? You don't have time. You're too busy. You don't know where to start. You're not spiritual enough. You made too many mistakes to do that. God, would the lies of the enemy be shut down? And would you awaken our hearts with the awesomeness that we can meet with you? That is a miracle. And for that, we're thankful. And I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would move in the room. As we sing, God, would you move in our hearts? Would you show us what you want us to show us? God, would you make it personal today? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.